0: I just don't see how the Lakers got worse in any way. I mean maybe LeBron ages a bit, but are we really gonna bet against LeBron? Like we've had this debate so many times in the podcast, Ethan, like are we really gonna bet against LeBron at this point?
1: Welcome back to the Game Buckers Podcast. I'm Ethan and I'm joined today by my co-hosts Matt, Jordan, and David. And David hasn't been here for a while, so welcome back, David. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm moved by the emotion. Yeah, I didn't didn't really miss
2: you that much to be honest. But <laughs> either way. No, I'm I'm honestly tearing up having David back here, guys. Well wow. you know,
0: I am the architect of the show, and you know, you guys have done such great work while I've been gone and I've actually I've tried to record twice with you guys and just the timing didn't work out. So yeah. Let's get it. Sniffles. Sniffles.
1: All right, so free agency was dubbed to be, you know, not the best class, but I thought that it was really entertaining. There was a bunch of moves. A lot of people changed teams. And I think it honestly was a pretty good offseason, in my opinion. So what we're going to do on today's episode is talk about the winners and losers of the offseason. So let's start with Jordan. Who was your winner?
3: So... I think, for me, one winner that really stood out to me was the Suns. I know we talked about them uh, either last episode or a couple episodes ago. I can't remember. But, you know, I gave some pretty, a pretty hot take that I think they're going to be a 4-5 or five seed in the West this year. And I will still stand by that. Just because even after the Chris Ball trade was made, they got more key additions like Jay Crowder, who really stood out in Miami. You know that system was really like it was. It was great for him. Langston Galloway, he was a 40% three-point shooter, um, also getting Abdel Nader in the trade with Chris Paul, like that was underrated. He's a pretty he's a pretty good backup uh, two guard. Etwan Moore, who like Galloway just, just shoots lights out. Damian Jones, like a solid backup center. But and obviously losing guys like Kelly Oubre and Aaron Baines hurts them. But I think they did enough to put put themselves in a position where. They have a big three of Aiton, Booker, and Paul. And just adding those pieces around the edges and re-signing also Dario Saric and Javon Carter, who Javon Carter is an absolute pest on the floor. He can, like, pick you up 94 feet. People don't talk about him enough, how good he is as a backup guard for Chris Paul. Like, just dealing with those two on a nightly basis as your point guard rotation is going to be tough for other teams. And to me, they were really a standout winner for me.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you that they were a winner. They're not my personal number one winner, but they definitely did improve a lot. I'm still not on that uh, bandwagon that you're on that they'll be a top four seed in the West. I think that the Blazers are better. But they did improve, and I do think it's more its more likely now that they would probably be like a six seed, and I thought they would probably be an eight seed. So they definitely did improve and make some good moves around Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden for sure. What about uh, David and Matt? What do you guys think about the Suns?
0: I think I agree with Jordan, but on the condition that, you know, the talent that they have needs to develop. I think if the talent that they have develops as we expect them to after, you know, their 8-0 and run in the bubble, I think they could be like a 6th seed, maybe a 5th seed, like Jordan said.
3: I mean, yeah, Chris, Chris Chris Paul was second team All-NBA last year. Like, I feel like you guys are acting like he's just going to fall off a cliff. He was, he was an amazing point guard last year. <laughs> he I do think he that definitely the was that an he's...
2: amazing point guard, but I think that there is going to be a point where he does start to fall off. And, you know, I guess you don't really know exactly when that's going to be. Um, I'm still concerned about the loss of Kelly Oubre and now Aaron Baines and uh, Kaminsky, who gave them good minutes, also. Um, I I do, I definitely like the Jay Crowder. Um, signing that was kind of shocking that he would go and leave Miami um so that I think is pretty good but I I still I just the Western Conference as a whole is so competitive it's full of really strong teams and also for the time being the Rockets still have James Harden and Russell Westbrook and I think that the Rockets overall are still a better team than the Suns and that's not even mentioning both the LA teams the Denver Nuggets the Portland Trailblazers who I'm gonna you know, bring up later on. Uh, the the Suns are still in a very competitive conference, so I don't I don't really see them jumping up all the way to a fifth or sixth seed, but definitely playoffs, yeah. But I I, I wouldn't go so far as to call them a massive winner of the offseason. I, I think they definitely did a good job, but uh, the West is just too competitive and they're still a couple pieces behind the top contenders in the conference in my opinion.
0: But also like you need to build and like I will we'll talk about other teams later, but the Suns are not the kind of team that are going to just go from like ninth seed to first seed in one offseason. So, you know, they need to have a transition offseason like this. They need to have success. Devin Booker needs to prove himself that, you know, he can make it to the playoffs and he can make a run in the playoffs. And then those guys will come. I mean, remember, it's, it's been like 15 years, but the Phoenix Suns used to be a powerhouse. They used to be a powerhouse in the West. And I don't see why that can't be the case again. Like, Monty Williams is a good coach,
2: and I, well, I do I'm, think the I'm just, are there. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying that I think, I mean, obviously the first seed is, is a reach, but I also think that the fifth seed is kind of a reach, too, because of what I said a moment ago, that the Western Conference is just so competitive. So, uh, David, who is your winner? I think we've got to go and talk about
0: L.A., baby. Signing Dennis Schroeder was amazing for them. I'm not going to do the whole Stephen A. rant, but, you know, they got rid of Danny Green. Danny Green is gone. City of Angels. (laughs) Hollywood should be celebrating. Throw a parade. Um, Yeah, I mean, also, it looks like they're getting AD back. I will say that uh, losing Rajon Rondo probably hurt them a lot. I don't think that they're going to really be able to replace his production. All the intangibles that he did. I mean, really, there, there was an argument to be made that, like, there were some moments... In the finals against the heat that like after lebron he was like the best player on the floor and that's like crazy i mean i remember he i think he had one game where it was like two points six assists and two rebounds but like all his actual like efficiency stats and like, all the advanced statistics were off the charts in terms of like you know like uh defensive plus minus i mean the dude was just a menace like he was just finding ways to make the impactful plays and uh ethan said it on the podcast months ago and i kind of didn't believe him because there's a whole like meme about playoff Rondo uh that he's just a different player in the playoffs and um this is kind of like my first year really paying attention to Rondo in the playoffs and you know he's obviously much older than in Boston or in Dallas but it's true like playoff Rondo's a real thing and I think that they are going to miss him but um you know they also they signed West Matthews West Matthews is like as much of a LeBron player like you know 2010s late 2010s LeBron player that I could ever imagine a kind of 3 and D guy like the exact kind of guy he needs and you know looks like I said it looks like Anthony Davis is going to be resigning. They're just trying to figure out how to structure his contract. So I think Lakers are poised to go back-to-back. I think they are the team to beat, and you know they show no sign of slowing down. Yeah,
1: I, I definitely agree with you about um, the Lakers. They are one of the biggest winners of this offseason, for sure. They not only added uh, Dennis Schroeder, but they also added Montrezl Harrell. They stole him away from the Clippers. Yeah, they I was going to Mar- say,
0: but... I didn't want to, because I was going to talk about the Clippers in a second, but yeah, like adding Montrezl Harrell, you know, basically six man of the year candidate. Uh, Actually, I think he won, right? He He won, won. yeah. Yeah, so adding him to the bench, and they already were like a pretty deep team, so I I think that's just like, and also to take from your rival who are, you know, crosstown rivals is just incredible. I mean, I know that the Clippers got Ibaka, but uh, I just don't see how the Lakers got worse in any way. I mean, maybe LeBron ages a bit, but are we really going to bet against LeBron? Like, we've had this debate so many times on the podcast, Ethan. Like, Are we really going to bet against LeBron at this point? Are we still doing that
2: in 2020? Well, David, let me let me ask you a, a question here. Um, the Lakers lost Dwight Howard and they lost JaVale McGee. And they replaced those two centers with Marcus All. They got Marcus All for two years five five and a half million dollars. Uh, what we saw with Marcus All is in in uh, Toronto is that he definitely lost us more than a couple of steps. Um, Anthony Davis, he prefers to play power forward. He doesn't really like to be the only center on the, the floor last season in the regular season, he played like 40% of his minutes at center. Uh, but during the playoffs, it shot up a, a, a bit more to a, around uh, 60%, according to uh, basketball reference here. Do you think that it's going to be a problem that losing Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, who were big players, they, they were key parts of that Laker team, right? They having those two guys, each, you know, putting up like 15 to 20 minutes or so and harassing the uh, opponent's center and being active in the paint. And more importantly, letting Anthony Davis play the position that he wants to play power forward and replacing those two athletic, energetic guys with an old, decrepit shell of Marcus All. All right, uh, do you, let, do, let, you, let, do you think let's, that yeah, let's slow return? down on
0: the Marcus Saul slander, dude? Like, yeah, he's definitely not as good, but no, he's Marcus not
2: Marcus like, Really, he's but the the thing is, even if he's still like a, a serviceable player, I think that the Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, like they. Those the two guys together provided guys, a really important role for the Lakers last season. Well, they I was gonna like, say like, like they was, like they were very important for their defense, that defensive right. identity, and Marcus Cole I don't think has that like athleticism to replace that.
0: I agree. I think that um particularly JaVale McGee. I mean, first of all, Dwight Howard had a career resurgence. And we can't ignore that uh, with the Lakers. Right. Like he, he saved his career and you know, he was yeah. again just doing the intangibles. Um, but JaVale and Dwight Howard provide a physical dimension to the Lakers that obviously Marcus Sall can't bring. That's very valid. I don't think I completely agree with your assessment that Marcus All is this, you know, shell of himself. Like he's still a great passer. I'm sure he'll find a way to fit in with the team. And the one thing I was going to say is that I think that AD he wasn't I mean he had some great games in the playoffs and the finals, but um he didn't have this like consistent dominance to him. And I think he learned a lot of lessons in playoffs. And like you said, AD played most of his minutes in the playoffs at center. And I think that given the moves that the Lakers have made in terms of who they've signed, I think it's just signaling to us that he is probably going to play center. If not in the regular season, certainly in the playoffs, because that's what they're going to need him to do at the end of the day. Somebody on that team is going to have to go up against Nikola Jokic. Uh, yeah. and Rudy Gobert, uh, these other dominant bigs in the league, maybe, who knows, if Jordan's correct, we maybe, we'll see conference semifinals like DeAndre Aiden or something, kind of these, you know, more dominant big men, and Marc Gasol cannot do that, but I think Anthony Davis can handle them. Uh, I mean, Anthony Davis was, like, matched up against Bama Bayo for, like, most of the finals, and that was an insane matchup, super fun to watch. So, I, I do agree with you. I think that they did lose. Um... But I think that they will adjust because great teams adjust and great teams, uh, you know, they make the most out of their players. And at this point, nobody can discount Frank Vogel as a coach. Nobody can discount Rob Polink as a GM. Like the Lakers are back. They're doing they're doing the right things again. So, you know, I think that whatever ends up happening, I don't see this like as maybe it is a net negative. But overall, I think that they, the Lakers managed to improve overall as a team, in my opinion. So I think that they'll be okay.
3: I mean, I, I just, I want to interject in here because I think there's a little bit too much Gasol slander because I, I see him as, you guys talked about, and you're right, that losing Rondo's like IQ on, on not only defensive end, but as a passer is going to hurt the Lakers. But Gasol is also one of those guys, he's one of the smartest players in the league. Like, he's a, like maybe he doesn't have the same athleticism as JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard, but he still knows where to go on like back screens and just when guys are rolling, he's a really good pick and roll defender. He just like, he's a really good team defender. And I think something that we've seen with LeBron James that he, he can get the best out of guys that we think are past their prime or just washed up. I mean, look at DeVille McGee and Dwight Howard. Everyone said they were done. And when they stuck to their roles and like really just honed in, on being a great rebounder, being a great defender. They were really good at that stuff. And I think having AD at the four and Marcus Gasol at the five is going to help a lot because AD, is you know, he can dive to the rim more when you have a guy like Gasol who can space the floor. That I was pass. a big problem. Yeah, and, and pass. It's like, that was a problem for the Lakers if they didn't have a big man who could really shoot outside of AD. And AD himself wasn't really a great three-point shooter. So now having someone like Gasol space the floor even more at the five will allow AD to spend more time in the post. And also if you look at Javell and Dwight Howard specifically like where were they during the nugget series they were both on the bench they couldn't handle a guy like Nikola Jokic Nikola Jokic sorry and like you said David like AD spent most of the series in the finals playing bam out of bio and they weren't getting a ton of minutes down there either so I think Gasol is one of those guys who can probably handle them better the athleticism obviously isn't there but I think he's one of the smartest players in the league right there with LeBron and Rondo
0: I mean it was also the trade for Marcus Gasol just a year ago that basically won Toronto the ring. I mean, obviously I know yeah. there's the injuries and stuff, but he was, he basically was the difference between like him and Valanciunas. I mean, Valentinus is a monster of a, like a center and a certainly really? monster of a big man, but you know, Marcus Gasol, even he was just, I think he was just averaging like nine and six last season. He averaged for Toronto, like what, like seven and six, like not that different stats. I think he should maybe shot a bit worse, but specifically because he just, he gave that kind of dimension that all that extra like flexibility and mobility, for spacing that guys like JaVale and Dwight couldn't provide. And like Jordan said, like, we watch 82 games of basketball in a season. And, you know, it's all good. But really, when the playoffs, like, all the strategies change when the playoffs arrive. And I don't think that, uh, I, I think that Marcus will be at least as useful in the playoffs as Dwight and JaVale are.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, Marcus you know, he didn't look that great especially in the bubble, but he still is a very smart player, as Jordan and David you just pointed out. So I think that it's definitely a, a net positive, in my opinion, to add him to the team, especially when you lose Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. So I do think that the Lakers were already the best team in the NBA because they just won it. I think that they probably improved the most out of any team. So I think that that just makes them really just r- right in the perfect position to repeat. Um, So they go back-to-back, which would be incredible to watch, too, for LeBron to win a title at age 36.
0: Matt, who do you think was the winner of the offseason for you? Uh,
2: Well, I think that overall, the Lakers probably won the offseason because, you know, rich get richer. And they maintained their status at the top. And that's really all you can ask for when you're at the top. So they they definitely achieved their goal and are going into the season as the clear favorites. Um, I do think that the Portland Trailblazers are another team that really had a fantastic offseason. They addressed a lot of things that they needed and they they did it they did it nicely. Um, getting uh, Robert Covington is huge for them. He is another I agree. 3-and-D guy who can space the floor, who can do like a lot of things for that team, and he's going to slot in right there at the small forward spot for them and give them a lot of really, really good minutes. Uh, getting Ennis Kanter another center to back up a healthy uh, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, that's, that's going to be great for them. They got Derek Jones, who's another athletic guy who can play some defense, who can give some minutes off the bench, of uh, a, a flyer for the young Harry Giles, uh, re-signing Rodney Hood, who went down early last year, and uh, will come back at least at some point this season. He's he's another you know very solid perimeter guy who can shoot and uh, you know play a little bit of defense too, and re-signing Carmelo Anthony that really was a big deal for them, and they got him for a cheap deal also, and Melo gave them great minutes. Uh, during, shots, the, during the, during the, the, bubble, you know, right. Like creating shots is just like another guy to throw the, the ball to when the shot clock is down low. And I, I just think that the Blazers have a really just complete roster. Like they, they really just short up a lot of the, the holes and assuming health, you know, I, I could see the Blazers team competing for the, at least a number two seed. And I don't even think that that's, that's so crazy to, to say, because Damian Lillard, like when he's healthy, when uh, Nurkic is healthy, when uh, McCollum is healthy, uh, they they're a, just a fantastic team. Just overall, they're really experienced too, really really experienced. Yeah, uh, Robert Covington and, also
0: was a massive upgrade, like you said. Right, that, I think was, like the most underrated signing of the of the offseason. Offseason, I think that yeah. it's it's such it's like it's one of those kinds of signings that like he's just like the perfect fit for them. And yeah. you know they really struggled to have a guy like at small forward that they could be happy with. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mello was like, I. That's kind of I think what they were trying to go for with Mello, and and Mello kind of like did fill in that role a little bit, but it, it wasn't perfect. But now Covington really fills that in, and they have Mello too, who's who still has like a few like good years left. Like they're they're really they're really chilling, and you know just just go back two years, they were in the Western Conference Finals in 2019 as the. Uh, they were the third seat, weren't they? Yeah,
3: they were the third
2: or the fourth. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were the the third seat, I think. And Enes so, Kanter was on that team too. Right. So they. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's true. But um, I, I don't
0: think Enes Cantor is. Uh, I don't think he's such a high impact signing. I think the the kind of the the jury is out on Enes Kanter at this point. It's like a black no, hole. No,
2: I I think nice. no, I I think he can he's, still he's, he's give like good people. minutes. He is still productive, and as, he's as he's, as he's not he's not going to be the starter. And that's like if he was like their starting center, then then yeah, that's definitely a hole for them at the the five. But he's you know in a backup role you to know, Yusuf Nurkic, and I and I think that they they complement each other also.
1: Yeah, just to touch on Indy's Kanter for a second, I think mm-hmm. you know if he's coming off the bench. He's not gonna be asked to do a lot either, so you know he's gonna come to the bench, play for like 13 to 16 minutes, and just ask to score the ball. You know that's a great a great role for him. Just and,
0: get him away from the Nets at all, like because he he for some reason just goes off against the Nets yeah, every, every single year. every every time. Yeah, yeah, he just goes for like 40 and 40 against the Nets. I don't understand why. Like it just happens yeah. every every single season. And
1: also, you know, you brought up Dwight Howard and having him having a career resurgence, but let's you know talk about Melo who. Honestly, you can argue he got underpaid. I mean, he only got $2.6 And, you know, especially on seeing the way that he played in the bubble, he hit some really clutch shots with them in the bubble, really clutch shots with them. Um, in the regular season, he hit a couple of game winners for them too. So, Melo filled in the role for them last year. He really did play above a lot of people's expectations. I thought he would play great, but, you know, there's a lot of pundits and a lot of people that thought that he would – Flame out very quickly.
0: It's he always kept, fun to bet against Melo. It's always I how it's been.
2: So, Second ballot Hall of in, Famer. Since he's been like with the Knicks,
0: people always bet against him. I mean, no, I'm I, surprised the Knicks didn't throw a max contract item. him. No, I mean
1: there, it was reported. It was reported that um, Melo to the Knicks was actually picking up some steam. Uh, but I, um, I'm actually happy that he didn't go to the Knicks because if he if he went to the Knicks, he would just be wasting the rest of his career in a garbage team. So. No. I think it's just better for him right now to actually compete for a championship because, you know, maybe if the Blazers somehow get out of the West and he does win a ring, that would be an incredible story for him too. So I I think that, you know, them re-signing Melo only for $2.6 2. point six million is actually – he definitely got underpaid. You could argue that he, his value was way more than than that. So I, I just – I want to touch on the Blazers
3: for a second. The one issue I have with them – I think they had a great off season, by the way – I agree with everything that Matt said, but the one issue I have with them is they don't really have a backup point guard. I don't love Anthony Simons. He's really, he's, he's mostly been a project for them and he's been very up and down so far in the first, I guess, two years of his career. Um, so I don't love that. But Damian Willard is just like, he's, he's in, in ridiculous. He's the second best point guard in the league behind Steph Curry when healthy. So like, he, and if you can just get, you know, CJ McCollum's kind of that secondary ball handler, I guess, like when Willard, takes a rest for that seven or eight minutes that he does during the game then mccollum can fill in in that role and you can just have someone like a covington or a hood slide over to the two guard um so so that's just like but yeah we're talking about mellow he there was all this slander coming when portland signed him about oh he's washed up look what happened in houston and then he ended up putting up 15 and seven while shooting four threes a game and shooting 39 from from behind the arc and he, he just he was amazing with the Blazers, and it was really impressive to see. I, I love that they brought in um, Rodney Hood and Robert Covington, so now Melo can stick at the four, and he doesn't really have to defend threes anymore because that's really just a nightmare for him, and opposing threes are going to destroy him. He doesn't have the athleticism to guard him. Even in his 20s, he never did. Yeah. So the four is a really good spot for him, and I, I, I love the Blazers. I think they're definitely a top four seed in, in the West, and they could be more than that.
2: Wait, yo! Did you guys know that Damian Lillard put up thirty points a game this this past season? Yeah, yeah exactly. I. I yep. Yeah. yeah, I I didn't know. Like, I I knew that he put up like you know twenty seven, twenty eight. I I didn't know it was like flat thirty. It was flat thirty. Yeah, eight assists, 30. a steal, four and a half rebounds. Dude, Damian Lillard is a monster. This Damian Lillard team, was probably the best are, point guard in the league last year. Yeah, like they are stacked. Like this team is poised to. Like I honestly. I'm gonna pick them. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm just gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm expecting the Clippers to regress a little bit, and I think the Blazers are gonna step in as the number two seed in the West, and I think that the Nuggets are gonna be like very, very close behind them, uh, by like a, a game or so. Uh, but I, um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the Blazers are getting the second seed. Yeah, in the I West mean, next that, year. I'm not sure about how the seeding
1: will play out. Um, I do think that it's going to be extremely close again in the Western Conference, like it was last year. I remember, like, I think like seeds from like we're flipping to, two, all the time, two to two seven, to six like
0: yeah, two to seven yeah. was
1: separated by like three or three games or something. It was uh, crazy. I do think it's going to be like that again. So I think that the Blazers will definitely be a top fourteen the West, in my opinion. They're going to make the Western Conference Finals. I mean, I. The Nuggets really didn't do that much to improve. There's but they didn't need to. They didn't they, need to, dude. They didn't need to, true, but I I think the Blazers definitely
0: improved. And I mean, I
2: any any improvement can is, is always welcome. No, yeah. of course, but also in, the thing is general. with the
0: Nuggets, the thing about the Nuggets is that, like, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, and also, of course, Michael Porter Jr. and a host of other guys that they have, I mean, they're just so young. Like, the fact that they were so successful last year, I just think that they have so many good things for them. So I don't feel like they were a team that really like necessarily like needed to improve like like on this note I just like I want to talk about the Clippers for a bit because Mm -hmm. to me maybe some teams did worse in the offseason but I can't see how you could have a more disappointing offseason than the one that the Clippers had like losing Montrez Harrell Lou William probably getting shopped you know obviously firing their coach they're basically in a way starting from scratch um And I mean other guys left them too. They they are they are
2: starting from you know, quote unquote starting from scratch, surrounding around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who aren't too shabby. No, of course,
0: but I just feel like you were like basically expected to be, you know, neck and neck with the Lakers. Then Kawhi Mm -hmm. freezes in the playoffs completely. And now what? Then Paul George begging people to stay, apparently, like, immediately after their loss. Like, literally saying, you know, it's okay, guys. We got next year. We yeah, got next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's pathetic. Right. And then, like, people are really, like, like fleeing the team now. They want nothing to do with him. Like, freaking pandemic P. I just, um, like, certainly there's teams with, like, worse off seasons. I actually think that um, the Nets, in my opinion... Also kind of had a disappointing offseason considering the Harden talk, considering the Ibaka talk. Like, yes, they got Joe Harris. So I'm not saying that it was the most, but given the situation in the West, yeah. I don't think they did enough to prove to anybody that they can still, like, contend, like, top four. When you're considering that, like, the Nuggets, of course, but then also I think that, uh, like like you said, the Blazers are going to be very good. I think the Mavericks are going to take a big step this season. Um I just don't see like how the Clippers are really. Yeah, yes, they have Kawhi, they have Paul George, obviously very good players, but I just don't see how they, aside from getting Serge Ibaka, how they exactly got better. And I'm not even sure that they did really get better with Ibaka.
2: I, I, I well, honestly yeah. though, Serge Ibaka like that is the replacement for for Harold. Like they're they play like the same position, and Ibaka is clearly the replacement for Harrell. Right, of course. And 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 I would yeah, I would definitely make the argument that Ibaka is a more effective player than Harrell overall. And Ibaka. Well Harold disappeared in the signed, playoffs
0: too. Huh? Like vanished. Mantras Harold like vanished in the playoffs. Yeah,
2: he couldn't, right, couldn't yeah, have anybody. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. That Ibaka you can make like a very strong like argument is he's just straight up better than, than Harold. And they're they I did would not go that Nick, far dude. I I like would.
0: like you can you can
2: like like whether you want to argue it or not, like it's not it's not a ridiculous thing to, to say they did sign Nick Batum, who who oh, is still like like a, he's he is still a decent player you couldn't get and minutes they on. they signed him for less than three million a year and more yeah. importantly they got Luke Kennard. they got Luke Kennard. Luke he is he
1: he's is a, a, he's an excellent player he's an excellent yeah player. He, he is pretty great. good
2: he he put up in Detroit last season uh 16 points a game four assists three and a half rebounds uh he made uh two and a half threes a game on 40% from, from the three-point line, uh, 90% from the foul line. He's, he's a pretty good player. Like, Luke Kennard, I, I honestly, like, didn't really know much about him. Uh, but, you know, seeing, like, a, a bit, like, of, uh, of highlights and looking at his, his stats, whatever, like, he's he's pretty good. And, you know, reading things about him, he's not bad. So I, I wouldn't... I would say that losing Harrell is, you know, it's, it's like... And identity thing for the the Clippers, like Harold, like he was a big part of their identity. And David, you're right. Uh, it seems like Lou Williams is also on the way out as well. And also losing uh, Landry um, Shamit for like nothing. Uh, that that was that wasn't. So- yeah, I said
0: Pat Bev. I I meant yeah. Landry Shamit to so the Nets.
2: Right. Well, well. So, well, actually, did they get Lou Kennard from that Landry Shamit trade? Yeah, I think I think that was a three-team deal with the Pistons. Okay, okay. So so I guess so I guess they replaced Shamit with Canard, which is definitely an an upgrade. Um, so so I guess that's that's good then. Like it's, so, it's, it's 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 not like they just you know traded Shamit for for like a pick or something and got back nothing. If they they got back Kennard, that's definitely an an upgrade. So uh, they they did sign Marcus uh, Morris back. That deal is uh, definitely so bad. definitely way expensive though. Yeah, six. So what is that? Sixteen a year? Yeah, yeah, sixteen. Yeah. So while I
1: I do think that, um, David, you do make some good points about the Clippers. I I think you know as as they're constructed right now, like if Lou if Lou Williams is on their roster in this during the season, I think that they would have you know margin they have marginally improved. I think that they got a little bit better. It's not a huge, uh, not a huge jump, but I do think they got a little bit better. But I also want to, with, with the Clippers, I don't think it's a shock to me that
3: Montrez, Harrell, and now apparently Lou Williams being shot. I don't think that's a big surprise, especially because I don't know if you guys remember that report that came out a couple of months ago that Kawhi was living in San Diego and he was taking like he would be late to team flights all the time and he would come in and out of practice whenever he wants. And he would dictate his minutes to Doc Rivers and stuff like that. And apparently, Lou Williams, Pat Bev, and Montrose Harrell were all complaining about it, and they didn't like it because they were, like, the original, like, three that came in, and they were, like, that feisty Clippers group that took the Warriors to six games in that first round, if you guys remember. Like, Mm -hmm. so they were really pissed off about that um, because they felt like they were the guys that recruited Kawhi to and made it uh, an appealing destination for him. So, uh, and then replacing... Harrell with Ibaka, who Ibaka was Kawhi's teammate. It wouldn't shock me if Kawhi went to management and told him, hey, I don't want Harrell here anymore. I would like to have my old teammate back in Ibaka. And then also shopping Lou Williams. Like, Lou Williams was a good player for them. He was uh, a six-man-of-the-year finalist. So just shopping him around is a little bit of a surprise. He, he stunk in the in the playoffs with along with Harrell against the Nuggets. He really wasn't good. But I, I think it's kind of interesting that those two are the big names. And just having Kawhi and PG only... They're under so much pressure because the clip they only each have one year on their deal. They're free agents after this season. So if they fail to make the finals for a second year in a row, like who knows what's gonna happen? Are they gonna opt out? Both are they gonna leave? I don't think Kawhi would leave, but who knows what happens with Paul George? Are they gonna have to reshape how the how the team looks? I, I think it's gonna be so interesting what the Clippers do throughout the year. I don't think this is their final form when they head into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, that's valid. I think that I think I think you're right. Like like I said, I don't think they had the most catastrophic offseason at all. Um, I just think that like, when you look at how like teams in the West have like definitively upgraded and the Clippers I mean they blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets, so we all know that but they were a very good team last season I just don't see like the, the fact that I'm even questioning whether they're going to be a top four team is I don't think a good sign for them at all so that's kind of what I was trying to get at
1: I, I definitely agree that um, there is, is an outside chance. I, I still think that there would be a top four seed, but there is an outside chance that they would be uh, outside of the top four. But now let's move on to Jordan. I know that your loser is the Hawks, and I completely disagree with you. I actually had them as my winner of the off season. So I think we could talk about that for a little bit because, yeah, obviously, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Hawks had the the best off season out of everybody, but I do think that they definitely made a large improvements in their roster. You know, they signed in Nari, they got Bogdan to Lodanovic after that whole Bucks fiasco. They drafted Oyek Kongu, who I think is going to be an excellent center. And I, I don't know what that means for Clint Capella, but I, I do think that is gonna be very good. And they also did sign Rajan Rondo for Two years, $15 million, and I do think that, you know, his veteran presence is really going to work wonders for Trey Young. And, you know, when you look at who they got rid of, they got rid of Jeff Teague, who kind of sucks now at this point in his career. Uh, Dwayne Dedman sucks. Vince Carter was 40, 43 years old, but, you know, saluted Vince Carter. Um, Dane Jones, he's, uh, he's okay. And then the DeAndre Bembry, they lost him, and he's actually a pretty good player. So they are going to miss that, but... I don't know. I think that the Hawks really did improve, and they're trying to show Trey Young that you know they actually do want to win, and make the playoffs. So, I like guess David said about the Suns, you know, so that you have to have like that one year to de- develop your, your young players and have them on a good team so they can actually play meaningful basketball, and that's when your you know your players can improve the most. So I do think that the Hawks really had probably one of the best off seasons in the Eastern Conference. So this is this is the way I look at it.
3: If you go look at Eastern Conference standings and you see teams, you see the Bucks, you see the Raptors, you see the Celtics, you see the Heat, the Nets, the Sixers, you see the Pacers, that's already seven. And then you also have the Wizards getting John Wall back and they drafted Denny Avdia. You have the Hornets signing Gordon Hayward. so. I'm not the East isn't going to be great, but there are a lot of good teams in there who are already solidified in the playoffs. I think there's I think those first 7 that I mentioned are pretty much locks for the playoffs. And so what is all this money that the Hawks given out do for them? It makes them an 8 seed. Wow, congratulations just to get blown out by the Bucks in the first round. Like is that your goal here to to try to impress Trey Young to re-sign even though he might be the single worst defender in the NBA? Like, and also I don't love it because you signed Danilo Gallinari to a three-year, sixty-one million dollar deal. Like, what does that say to John Collins? You're like John Collins has been asking for a contract extension for a while. And if if Gallinari is worth sixty million at this point in his career, if he's worth twenty million a year, John Collins is a max player. And if you're not going to pay him max money, then what are what are you doing with him? Because I think next year he enters restricted free agency.
0: I think that so, they kind of have to pay John Collins anyway, because like Ethan said, and like I feel like. Talent is not going to go to the Hawks naturally. Um, you know, they just people want to sign elsewhere. Atlanta's not. Well, I, I guess that's changed, but I don't think that like the Hawks really have that kind of pedigree.
3: No, I agree with you. The Hawks are a place where opposing teams love to go visit because of the nightclubs and the scene out there. But I, from what I've read, oh yeah, it's 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 not, it's not a place where players want to live.
2: Like it's a Matt place says, hell
0: yeah, like he's been outside ever. <laughs>
2: Dude, John Collins is uh, is nasty, though. He, he puts up 20 and 10 for them. He's yeah, really, he's at, disgusting. really that, athletic. What's saying, though? It's like, yeah.
3: what, is, what is giving Gallinari 60 million say to John Collins? Like, well, they, well, I guess,
2: well, 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 dude, like they're, they're paying Gallo 20 million a, a year. It's, it's, awesome. it's 60 million over the lifetime of the deal.
3: They said he's going to be backing up Collins at the four. When you're paying 20 million to a backup power forward... Like that's
2: to me not a small yeah, but yeah. it's but it's it's probably going to be something more of like where Collins will sometimes play minutes at the five and Gallo will get Absolutely. minutes at the the four I've, like I've like got like got if, if if Gallo like if Gallo backs up Collins like quote unquote. Gallo is still going to be getting like twenty five plus minutes a, a game. Like he'll, he, like he'll, he'll, be like the the six man. Like like we can see him as a six man contender next year. Okay,
3: yeah, he's definitely a six man. But the thing is, like you're saying, put Collins at the five. <laughs> They already have Capella, and they invested the sixth overall pick into. Oklahoma. No, I'm.
2: I'm just. Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying that, like, over the course of a basketball game, like, like it, it isn't just like a rigid, like, like okay, Trey, you're at the one for the entire game, uh, Clint, you're at the five for the entire. No, like, like when Clint needs like some rest, and Collins and Gallo have already had some rest, like at some point in the the third quarter, then yeah, they can throw out that uh, that lineup. Uh-huh. Like I, I I get what you're saying,
3: and I, I'm not saying the Hawks are going to be bad, but they, I mean, look at their record from last year. They were 20 and 47. They were one game back of the Cavs from being the worst record in the East. And now, you made some good signings. Like, Rondo's like like a good backup point guard. He's a smart guy. He'll help mentor Trey Young.
0: Like Yeah, Christian, but also, like, Rondo has historically been noxious on, like, teams that haven't, like, been guaranteed for the playoffs.
3: No, but listen, this is... I'm not expecting to make a jump from 20 and 47 to all of a sudden being, like, a top six seed in the East and, like, Competing for like a second round matchup. Yeah, yeah I agree I, with you. I, I, think I that's agree the with Hawks you. Going for, and I think some people are like, I see like social media blowing up like, oh, the Hawks are back, baby! Like they're coming back. Like no, I don't see them being anything more than like an eighth seed in this conference.
2: Like well, I, like, well, wait, wait a second though. I'm, I'm not, I'm not following you because. Is a team not allowed to improve during an offseason? If if they if, if they don't go from the 14th seed like they were last year to the second seed, then it's just a dub. Like like no, screw them. Just, they had a shitty offseason. No, no I, just, I think what I think what Jordan's trying buried, to say is that
3: like you're burying guys on the bench, you're burying Cam Reddish on the bench, you're burying uh Okonwu on the bench, you're burying Kevin Herter on the bench. Kevin
0: Herter, I was gonna say like, Kevin Herter's Herter,
3: a like, reinvested the fourth overall pick into last year. You're also hurting your young guys. Like what does that say to them? All this uh, this draft capital that you invested into them, and all of a sudden now they're becoming bench players.
2: When they Dude, were it's to- you, you. You know what it says to them? It says to them that this team wants to win, and if you want to stay on this winning team, then you better step up and start playing. Like, but not, but like they there there isn't all the time in the world for guys to just you know develop, right? Like, like what even is develop? Like, eventually you have to become a good team. And honestly, looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference. Like, there are some teams that are going to be taking steps back. Like, the Raptors, they're going to take a step back. Like, Honestly. losing Marcus All will, will probably, like, that will hurt them. Uh, the, the Celtics will, so will probably, like, you know, either, like, Plateau, I don't really see them getting radically better losing Gordon Hayward, who, who was still a, a good player. Not worth $30 million, but still a good player. The past been according to you, wait a minute, I, you said Gordon Hayward's a washed-up has but Now all of a sudden it's a big loss for them? I wasn't saying, I didn't say it's a big loss, but it is a loss he he um, was and i can player. i
0: interject cuz i think looking, i know what jordan's wait, trying wait, to wait. say but,
2: but looking at like the pacers also like like i don't think they're they're going to be like world beaters like like the the hawks are they're they're in the they're in the mix and and i i don't think it's fair to say that if you're you know during the course of one like off season by the way like rebuilds in, in general take like many off seasons but if you're just saying over one off season they don't go from 14 to number 2 screw it they had a they had a crappy I off season them i them don't
3: really I get don't, that i don't see them anything more than an 8
0: seed i just i agree with I jordan
2: but i also but, i think but, the bigger but, let, but let so me let me i will hold on
0: hold on okay, fine, let let fine. me say something i think that kind of what i see that i think jordan's trying to say too is that the cohesion is kind of weird because, like, you go after Rondo and Gallinari, but realistically speaking, they're not going to be around for very long. So, and I, like, what's the next step after that?
2: I like, mean, they're, they're going to be there for three years, Gallo. That contract yeah, but are, but are they,
0: yeah, his contract is insane, then. and Gallo's pretty old, and it's also like, okay... You make the eighth seed this year, or even let's be optimistic. Let's say they make like the seventh or sixth seed. Okay, they're still getting smacked by the Bucks for the next two, three years. So, like, I feel like I. I, On one hand, like, look, Jordan. Really, my opinion is that kind of the Hawks are still irrelevant. So you know, I. I, But it's like they. You have to you have to make moves like you can't just wallow in obscurity. Like I know you're a Knicks fan, but like you can't just like wallow in obscurity (laughs) for like 10 years. Like you have to like make trades at some point. Exactly. But, but the thing is I just don't think it's going to work out. And in that sense, I completely agree with you Jordan. Like, and also when you consider like the kind of players that they do have, like, like Kevin Herter and John Collins and you know, I I just, I, I guess I'm lacking the big picture. So if there is a bigger picture, maybe it'll be okay. Okay. But I just don't see the bigger picture for the Hawks. David, I, I'll
2: I'll paint for you the bigger picture right now. They have a superstar point guard with Trey Young. All right, down, Trey Young. That is not going, going to go that far. I not going Oh my, wow. my bro, god, that is, that is a
1: horrible take,
3: bro. Dude, oh have you guys god. really
2: not watched Trey Young play? Have you watched? Have you watched it play? His offense alone is he's a like net negative how bad he is on defense. Dude, re- regardless, they have a pretty the worst team. defender player in the league. He I can't believe he set up a straight defense. base. That's crazy. Dude, he's not listen. a, he's a he's good player, playing. he's not a superstar. Trey Young will be a superstar one day if he's if he's not going to be one next year he will be one next uh, like this the the season after the year after that like Trey Young is going to be he's clearly going to be a superstar in the league one day if you guys don't think that then you guys are, are like are blind he will one day be a superstar. John Collins, I think, will also one day be an an all star. I don't think he'll be a superstar. I think he 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 will be really really good. They have I think a he could really, be an all star
0: this year. They yeah they, year they,
2: they, they have they have a good supporting cast surrounding those two guys with like a, a bunch of new guys who they who they got like like Bogdanovich is is a good player. Like that's that's going to be really good for them. Uh, by the way, Gallo's contract three years sixty million. If you're like squirming in your seat about that. Uh, more than a quarter of it is unguaranteed, so so they will have flexibility. He, uh, David, you were saying that he's uh, 32, or or you you were saying that he's he's old. He's 32, which is not that old, and the contract only goes until he's 35. And more than a quarter of it is unguaranteed anyway. So they can. So it, it's not like they're going to uh, have to to deal with that later on. So I think that this was a really really good off season for the Hawks. Because just because it doesn't bring them, it doesn't fling them from 14 to number one, uh, it's, it sets them up. It's, it's improving, right? Like it's, this team, uh, oh, they're building towards end. the top of the, the conference. And this was the first offseason where we kind of saw that, you know, step in the right direction. Yeah. So yeah, I, man, I, want to,
3: I want to say one more thing about the Hawks. They yeah. were the single worst defensive team in the league last year. They gave up 120 points per game. That was the worst in the NBA. And when you look at the guys that they added, Danilo Gallinari, not a good defender. Bogdan Bogdanovich, a really good offensive player, not, not a good, a good def- defender. Chris Dunn, I like that pickup because he's a really feisty defender and he can help give backup minutes for Trae Young. That was a good pickup. Solomon Hill, not a good defender. He's way past his prime. And just like their defense didn't get any better. They're still going to be a horrendous offensive team. They're going to score defense, a lot of points. Team. Like they're going to score a lot of points, but they're not going to be able to – like stay stay up the they list.
2: they also they also got Rajan Rondo also.
3: Rajon Rondo did you not did you not watch Rajan Rondo in the regular season? Um, I'm, I'm talking
2: I'm I'm talking about like it just the the fact that he as a player and his talent is now on their their team is, as well. I'm not speaking well, to his Lakers defense to or whatever for the last 2 years
3: during the regular season.
2: That bad. Uh, All right. No, well, I, we'll we'll do. Realistically, Rondo was number 3 on their their team in in for, a, for a championship in the in the in the playoffs not in the regular season yeah. Wait, but but no, Ethan
0: I think well. you said you wanted to say something well I just uh was gonna
1: say that I 100% agree with Matt you know the, a team they can't it can't be bad forever so I, I think that it's good that you're trying to improve and you're, you're definitely you know you, if you really want to develop your young players efficiently you have to get them to play meaningful meaningful minutes in the in the regular season and if they make the playoffs in the playoffs. Because the way they were going right now, you know, Trey Young was an explosive scorer. We're gonna see how really, how how good he really is when he's putting up That's can he metal. put up the can he put up these the same numbers on a winning basketball team? I don't know, but but the jury's out. He definitely he definitely put insane numbers on a trash team. But we're gonna see we're gonna see how good he really is. I think he's gonna still put up at least twenty twenty three to twenty four a game his his shooting is just that good. He can pull up from anywhere on the court. That alone can make him just you know just splashing shots all day. The defense I, will the defense is definitely a problem. It will never be there for him. But they did get Tony Snow in a trade, who actually is a very good defender. Chris Dunn is a very good defender. Uh, Rajon Rondo. Dunn, are you serious? Rajon, Rajon Rondo is, is not the defender he used to be, but he's not trash on defense. I so think he
3: was in the regular season.
1: In the what on the playoffs though? What on okay. the playoffs?
3: Are the Hawks in? Hawks in the playoffs right now, or are we, are we about to start the regular season?
2: I mean, think they will be in the playoffs, though.
3: So. Okay, they'll be like an eighth seed, and they'll be going up against Giannis or Jason Taylor. Well, I
2: think, I think
0: the theme of this episode has been, like, you know, the, kind of the steps <clears throat> that you need to take to win. And that's why my hot take <clears throat> is that the Gordon Hayward sign-and-trade, because it is a sign-and-trade, officially, as of six hours ago, was a good move for the Hornets. Please right, explain. Right. Who, who's who's going to destroy David first on this? Uh, well, let no, 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 no. Well, Let us give David
2: an yet. opportunity so to
1: defend his case first. Yeah.
0: I, I I first of all, certainly for Boston, I'll just say that the fact that they got a twenty-eight million dollar trade exception out of this, and I think like two unprotected second-round picks, is insane. So everybody was slandering Danny Ames for like giving up star free agents for nothing. Uh, like Horford and now uh, Gordon Hayward. But, you know, a trade exception, that could be a big deal come the trade deadline. So we need to keep that in mind. Here's what I think about Gordon Hayward. And Matt, you said it yourself. He's going to be a loss for the Celtics. When I think about the Charlotte Hornets or the Charlotte Bobcats, the best player that they've ever
2: had, the, past, the present. Oh, okay. Yeah. Past, past, or present.
0: Past, yeah. present. You know, whether before, like, I'm talking about Bobcats. Yeah, 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 The best player that they ever had was Campbell Walker. The best player that they ever signed in free agency was Al Jefferson. <laughs> Think about what kind of a miserable team that they have. Like, obviously, like, Michael Jordan is, like, the Michael Jordan of bad GMs. It's, like, something I saw on Twitter. Like, he's just, like, really, he's managed to fumble so many opportunities. I think this was a. Tr- this was they. I don't really think they had a choice. You see that no free agents were coming there. They found you know Gordon Hayward really struggling to find his footing in Boston, even taking a bit of a pay cut because he was getting paid thirty five mil and he actually opted out, getting paid a little bit less. He could have just sat out for you know he sat through the final season in Boston, making a bit of extra money. But clearly he wants to play meaningful basketball minutes. Is he going to have them in Charlotte? Not necessarily. Because I don't think they're a playoff team really, but you have to consider this: they have Lamelo Ball. Lamelo Ball has a ton of potential, and you don't want to just have Lamelo Ball going into like a, a, a team where like this is kind of like the hell that Trey Young has been in, where like basically it's been a revolving door of players ever since he's gotten there. You don't want to have that. So I think that having a deal like Gordon Hayward, he's going to have that stability. I don't think Gordon Hayward is so bad that he's going to be averaging like nine points per game, completely overpaid. You know, I think that he's still going to be playing pretty good. Obviously, he's lost a step. But I also don't think that Charlotte was exactly in a place where they could barter with this kind of thing. Like I said, they ha- do not have a history of getting free agents. Like Gordon Hayward may be somehow the best free agent signing they've ever had in their history. Like that, that's, you, that's sad, but it's also true. So like looking at it from that perspective, I don't think it was that bad. They have the money. I think that it can't be any worse for the Hornets. They're always a bad team. And at best it can give them that next step to maybe go from like you know a 20 win team to a 35 win team and just to build up that way like i think it could have that kind of potential especially if lamelo you know shows like the talent that he had in australia if he can bring that to the like to the states which i think he will you know i think that it will be nice for them and certainly like i said you know obviously they could have made a better signing and obviously gordon hayward is overpaid i'm not going to dispute that but I just don't think that Charlotte was like really in a place where they could even like bargain. Like it's it, it, this was just the kind of player that they need at this point. They need to have some some sort of star power. Like they don't have any star star power.
3: Okay, so I, I want to preface my statement with this. I think Gordon Hayward is a good player, like you said, and I I don't think he's just like washed up past his prime player. Like he's only thirty years
0: old. I don't think he's washed I, up at I all.
3: I think I think he's a good player. But the problem is that I have with the Hornets is that, like you said, they can't attract big names in free agency. So how does a small market team that can't attract top players, what do they do? They find gritty, smart players who can provide help for the young guys, who can mentor them. A guy like Lamelo Ball, but on cheap contracts, not on four years, $120 million. And let's not forget the fact that they waived and stretched Nicholas Batum's $27 million which is going to effectively have a $9 million, dead, $9 million dead cap hit on them for the next three seasons.
0: But so again, they didn't have a choice with Batum. He's like Darren Williams for them. Like, he's but, awful. Like, like but, but, they didn't have a choice. Like, you need to get him off the books at some point. You hey, can't he, just...
3: Take him, go, like, give up a 20 first-round pick or something. Just to get... You ha, you, you cre, you're basically paying Gordon Hayward $39 million a year for the next three years now. Effectively, that's what you're doing because you replaced Batum with Hayward so you're basically he's not making that money from Batum, but it's basically like you're paying him thirty nine million a year, because you added Batum's nine million dollar cap hit. So it's just to me that's just like it's such a nightmare. It's four years, one hundred forty seven million dollars. And then also you talk about uh, like like what I just said, you develop with like, smart, gritty guys who can help the young guys. Look look at the next two draft classes. There's Cade Cunningham. There's uh, there's Jalen Green, there's all, there's, this next two years are supposed to be elite draft class, and then you have 2023, which is effectively going to be like, I, I I forget what they're dubbing it, like the super draft or something, where the high school players are supposed to come back, so it's just going to be like insane the next couple of years, these draft classes, and I think that's a smart way to go, if you want to find elite talent, you build through the draft, you have an exciting name, like LaMelo Ball, and, it, and just, I can't
0: stand but it. But they can develop talent, dude, look what they did to Malik Monk. Malik Monk was, like, projected to be, like, all-rookie first team.
3: No, Malik Monk wasn't this, like, world-beater guy who was going to be, like, an all-star. He was a good player, but, like, he also ran into his own issues. I think he had—he was suspended by the NBA for, like, uh, cocaine uh, they found in his, in his blood. Dude, he wants to party. What's really? wrong with partying?
0: Yeah. What's wrong yeah. with partying? Jordan, yeah, you don't just... party? You don't party every now and then?
3: Okay, how many players get caught with cocaine in, the NBA, in today's NBA? Dude. Like And also, I just want to look at Mitch, Mitch last, the last four deals he signed as a general manager. This is both the Lakers and the Hornets. So he gave Luol Deng four years, $72 million, If you remember, in the start of 2016 at free agency, he gave them that, which the Lakers are still paying for. He's still a dead cap hit on them. And then you have Timofey Mozgov, four years, $64 million, which is also an atrocity for them. Uh, Terry Rozier, who they signed to three years, $58 million. Not terrible, but not
0: really, but
3: he's not worth $20 million a year. And you have Hayward, who you're paying $30 million a year. And like I said, it's effectively $39 million for the next three years because of what you did with the team.
0: Well, so- look, the Hornets also have Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham is, like, one of the most underrated players in the league. Like, point blank. Yeah, I think he was snubbed for most improved player. Like, he's- I'm, I'm,
3: I'm not saying the Hornets are going to be a bad team. I think they'll be, like, in that... They'll be in, like, 7-10 to seed range. It's exactly, it's exactly what Michael Jordan wants.
2: Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. Seven to 7-10 range? Wait a second. So are you they potentially the putting up, the, the Hornets above they were the, the Hawks? They were, because I, I, because, I because it, it basically, like, I had to, like, twist your arm to say that the, the Hawks would be, like, a playoff team. And I, now I you're said, saying— I said they would be an 8-seed. I said the Hawks would be an 8-seed. So so you do think that the Hawks will finish above the I Hornets? Think,
3: I think they, yeah, I think they can be a playoff okay. team. Definitely. I'm not saying, I never, you missed my point with the Hawks. I never said they were going to be like this dumpster fire, but I didn't think they were just going to be, I, I just think the moves didn't make sense to them. But I, I digress enough about the Hawks. Um, it's just the Hornets, I think they're in that 7-10 to 10 seed range. And that's what it's going to be for them. They just want to be this nutshell of mediocrity and like Michael Jordan seems to be okay with that like he was the one who really pushed for Hayward to sign he called him like before according to ESPN when the Celtics and the Pacers were negotiating a sign and change I don't know how how that fell apart because it seemed like it was bound to happen but yeah it just like it it didn't make sense to me like I, I understand I want to be competitive but it's just you're paying him so much money and I would just rather go the rebuilding way and just fi- try to find that superstar talent through the draft and maybe build some kind of dynamic duo with Lamello Ball.
2: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, the, I, the Hornets... Wait, wait, let me, let me just, just get this, this one little point in here. Um, the, the Hornets are doing the New York Knicks route in terms of rebuilding, signing guys who are, you know, not that good and are, you know, severely overpaying them and they they still have like a bunch of other guys who are not on good contracts on their their team it's uh you know waving and stretching Nick Batum and just losing 9 million off the the top of their their salary cap is not good um the the hornets if they really want to compete in the long term they need to go the route of the Brooklyn Nets when they were rebuilding right uh Investing in their scouting and looking deep in the uh, in the the first round for uh, quality players. And by the way, I don't think know, that
0: um, like Terry Rozier is uh, okay. Like offensively, he wasn't as good as he was in Boston. But did you know that when opponents were within three feet of Terry Rozier, they only shot under they shot under thirty five percent, and he yeah, also no, shot forty percent from deep.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that. Like, I'm saying that the the Hornets should try and fill their team with uh, quality young guys who are not on crazy contracts, and you know, amass some some draft picks and eventually parlay that into a, a superstar somehow, or maybe they get lucky and, and draft a superstar. But what they're doing by trying to to fill the gap and you know, try and maybe sneak into the playoffs as an eighth seed by overpaying Gordon Hayward for your are right, Jordan, basically thirty nine million a year. That's not going to work out for them in the the long run. Uh, so the 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 Hornets definitely did not make a good move by paying Gordon Hayward this much amount of money and just basically disregarding the tried and true method of rebuilding, i.e., the Brooklyn Nets way.
0: Yeah, I
2: mean, but they Brooklyn you- at least
0: had the allure of being a big city. I mean, like Charlotte, North no, but, Carolina but is known for the Panthers and for
2: NASCAR. Like, yeah, like- but that's but that's not what I'm talking. About. Like, like I'm not talking about the allure. Like the Nets were still in a horrible position in like 2015, 2016 when when Sean Marks um, took over, and regardless of whether that being in new york city or not he still he still rebuilt the team in a really good way yeah and not every team has a son marks dude like like the, the, no no, my, no like no, i said no. i i know but like you can still at least uh go for that <clears throat> you can go for that model right like you you can go for that type of style of rebuild granted if like if a team like wasn't in new york uh, they like they probably wouldn't have been able to re- like to to <clears throat> to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving but like that team with like uh, D'Lo and Karis Lavert and and all those guys playing together like you know with such great chemistry they would have been able to re- like sign a quality player like like Jimmy Butler for example uh, like and and that could have been in in any market so the the blueprint is is there. You can draft well, you can build a good team with good chemistry. It's not impossible. But I think and they've been the drafting well. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not saying that that they that they they haven't. I think that they actually have been drafting fairly okay. And that's why I'm so disappointed in seeing them just swinging for the fences, and, like as Jordan said, basically paying Gordon Hayward thirty nine million for these first three years and then thirty in the last. like that's it just kind of throws away all of the uh, incremental progress they were making in the previous drafts.
1: yeah i i I understand, Dave, you made some good points for sure about you know how Charlotte's kind of like forced to make the move, but i I kind of agree with Matt and Jordan that you know. There's definitely, if you know, for small market teams who can't try free agents, you know their their path is to success is building through the draft, and you know unfortunately when you have Michael Jordan, he hasn't had the best track record. You know he he picked Michael Kidd Gilchrist over Bradley Beal, and he took Adam Morrison with like the third pick overall when they were the Bobcats. Like, what's the over under on the Charlotte Hornets next year with this Gordon Hayward edition? Like, thirty three wins, I guess. Like. How no, I most... think
0: they'll improve. I think, I think they will improve. I think they'll definitively improve. Like, he's, he's, a, he's like, I, Matt, I don't know how you could say that he's going to be a loss for the Celtics, but he's, like, not going to benefit Charlotte in any meaningful way. I'm, I'm not I, saying that also, he isn't going to benefit them I in just, any but meaningful I also way. Just I'm like, saying I, that
2: the contract in general, like, hurts them more than the benefit of it.
0: Right, but, I mean, it's not, of, like, of, a, of again, 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 they, if <clears> they get a guy in the draft next year whoever they get in the draft their timeline is going to be the same as gordon hayward's actually they're going to be ahead right because if they have a 4 year rookie deal by the time they need to be extended gordon hayward will probably be gone at that point he's really going to be old and he's not going to be worth you know thirty-nine, forty million 40 million dollars anymore and certainly he's you know his contract right now is timed the exact same way as lamelo's too so when they have to make that decision you already know they're going to keep lamelo over gordon hayward if lamelo you know is the player we expect him to be And I like, again, who's the next free agent that's going to come around for the Hornets?
1: No, you definitely make
0: Who, who's point who's there. coming around like like who's who's coming around. Their yeah, best player so that, left them.
1: I was
3: saying build through the draft, find those guys. Yeah, but it's path.
0: again, you can build through the draft. They had Kemba Walker. They got Kemba Walker through the draft, and what happened? he exactly. left. No, they have, they have had nothing.
2: Kemba Walker for what eight years, and he was no. Like, so was so you can build. Players. You can bu- Kemba you can- Walker was the only like quality player they had for like ten years. Right, but um, like, I'm we're just saying build through the the draft. Like, get yourself a good strong foundation. And then players will want to join, like, good quality players, like, will want to join that. Not the the Gordon Haywards who are, like, you know, serviceable, pretty good, like, nothing crazy. But actually, like, like, good players will want to join, like, a good structured organization with with a bright future.
0: The thing about Charlotte, though, is that, like, if you're talking about teams, people will not just go play anywhere. Like, th- this is also why the Hawks, for many years, struggled to get any kind of players. Like, because, you know, Atlanta has the biggest airport in the world. So this is just a fun fact, and I'm not making this up. A lot of teams, like, throughout the, like, the 90s and 2000s, would trade people to the Hawks strictly so that they could play a half season just because it was the easiest place to send them. It literally was just that easy to send them because Atlanta was, Atlanta was not that kind of place. Um, and now, obviously, Atlanta's more fun. But like when you're looking at Charlotte, I think that like Charlotte is like it's just it's not a place that people want to live uh, compared to literally any other place in the league, except maybe like I don't know Indianapolis or like Minnesota. I feel like people would literally rather live anywhere else in Charlotte, any other any other place. So they have that going against them. They also have the fact that, like I said, you know they've gotten the they've gotten the spots in the draft, but they've struggled to to actually capitalize on their draft. Now, obviously, you can blame the team, and they should be blamed. Like I said, Michael Jordan is the Michael Jordan of bad GMs. Like He's, he's, he's a very,
2: very bad GM. He's a very yeah. bad
0: general manager. Owner, but he
3: basically acts like a GM.
0: And, and obviously, so who's right. the real yeah. GM is Mitch Kupchak, who's also terrible. Like, he ran the Lakers into the ground. So you look at the you look at the, the Hornets right now, and like I've said, like this is a team that needs to make moves at the end of the day. You have to make moves. We've been saying this again and again. So... I don't see what this double standard is that when a team like the Hawks makes these kinds of desperation moves, you know, that, that you say it's a, it's a good off season, but a team like the Hornets, you know, they also like, they also need to get these kinds of like name players at the end. Okay. I'm not saying that, that like Gordon Hayward is, you know, the best player, but he's not bad. Is he worth the 40 million effective dollars? No, of course I'm not saying that, but I don't think he's that bad. I think that he's a definitive improvement and I think that he's somebody who can help them win games. So like at that point, w- what's so wrong with it? Like I said, you know, like no, the Hornets are not that bad on paper. I don't think they'll make the playoffs right now unless like Lamelo really is just like you know twenty five points per game right off the bat. But dude, they have Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, Devonte Graham's very good. Dismac Biombo, you know, okay, he's not great, but
2: dude, PJ Washington, and he's I was a guy gonna who, say, they, I was who they drafted. Forget you can't forget, yeah. you
0: can't forget Miles PJ Bridges.
2: Washington. Yeah, he's, I, I he's said
0: Bridges. Like they are not that bad, I and I think Gordon Hayward will fit in with that team. So like you look at the like you look at the whole situation. Uh, I, I'm not saying it's a great signing. I'm just saying like when you talk about worst signing of the year, like I I just don't think that's it. I think that but that's the, but move they the had main
2: to but the main problem with that move is they have like they're they're like the Hornets were slowly building up a young supporting cast surrounding just just like building up their their team with with like young quality guys and giving gordon hayward this massive contract it prevents them the the hornets from being able to give those young guys a good amount of money gordon hayward hamstrings them for three four years he hamstrings them and they aren't going to be able to pay those good guys when they are up for a new deal in a, a couple of years and that's going to come back to bite them. See, that's the problem with teams handing out huge contracts to middle-of-the-line guys because any young guy who they like have of quality, just by virtue of salary cap, they're not going to be able to pay them like what they should be getting anyway. And let's say that they do anyway, that they, they pay them anyway, they won't have any like money to surround them with a, with a supporting cast who can dribble a basketball because I have a they question. just won't have any, any money left. Yeah, go for I have it. a
0: question. If the Hornets make the playoffs this year, would you change your mind?
2: No. No, yeah. because, because they're, they're just like, this move screams, I really want to make the, the playoffs as like, and, and like I don't care what seed I am, I want to be in the playoffs. You know what team did that recently in the, the past handful of, of years and look where they are now? The Detroit Pistons, they swung for the defenses and got, like, Blake Griffin and tried to surround him with, like, some middling talent, and, you know, Blake Griffin has had, like, like injury history, and they still did it anyway. And I mean, it's the, actually the, crazy the, the how Pistons, irrelevant,
0: how, like, it's actually crazy how irrelevant, like, Blake Griffin are. has become. Well, yeah. No, but it's also, like, he's, like, he's become completely obscured, like, basically from, yeah. like, one of the most, like, popular players in the yeah, league. Yeah, no,
2: it is, it is. That's more,
0: I mean, he's still a beast, yeah. too. He's still a monster. He is, well,
2: but, but the, the, the Pistons weren't able to, like, they, they didn't build the way that they should have. They, like, went out for trying to get, like, you know, like, just solid guys, good guys. Uh, like, I'm I'm not comparing Blake Griffin to Gordon Hayward. Blake Griffin is miles better than Gordon Hayward, e- even back then and now also. Well,
0: Blake Griffin's also um, a max contract, and... right
2: like exactly like like there's there's the you know pros and cons of of each but the the pistons didn't rebuild the right way like there are teams who will just throw max contracts at guys who are on the free agent market to kind of you know give them more wins but but that's short term vision and in order for teams to win an actual championship you need long-term vision you don't win a championship overnight no one does that no one does that i also talked
3: about the pistons literally had one of the worst off seasons and we didn't even mention it
2: yeah i mean because because the, the pistons just have have poor management and they're just it's, so irrelevant it's, it, too. it's eerily reminiscent of what the hornets are kind of doing right now with throwing 120 million at gordon hayward there, 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 oh. there was the
3: whole meme with with the Knicks last year and the power forwards. It seems like this year the new trend is the Pistons and centers. I mean, they gave Miles Plumley three years, twenty five million dollars. They gave Jalil Okafor a two year deal. They invested a draft pick into Isaiah Stewart, the sixteenth overall pick. He's also a center. They signed. Uh, no, Jer- you
0: know, also the thing about Blake Griffin was that it was a trade too, which is why it was like a bit different. I mean, technically the Gordon Hayward thing is a sign of trade, but it wasn't explicitly for players
2: right but they they also just didn't really try and build through the draft at all and build a good structure they they tried to like they they swung for the defenses acquired Blake Griffin and were just like like you know what he's going to bring us to the the playoffs and we're happy with that they really but I didn't also get think that like sort of you know
0: the whole the whole building through the draft sort of thing this is going to be my final thoughts, but like, obviously like it works out in theory, but in practice, there's so many variables. Like I just
2: don't think it's like yeah.
0: a tried and true thing or like, you know, every team will just be good eventually. And clearly that's not no, true. It, it, it makes... is.
2: It is a tried and true thing where if you draft good players, you will be a good team. But sometimes if, teams, teams are good. E-
0: sometimes teams are good even without the draft, you know,
2: or you sometimes, know, maybe indirectly through the if draft. You, if you, if you like, there, sign just, LeBron James. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, I, I just, like, the Lakers, for example, the Lakers were horrific at developing talent, like, truly awful, and, you know, they blundered their way into LeBron. Literally, they blundered their way into LeBron, and then the next year they got AD, and then they, they built a team from that, but it's only because they're Los Angeles Lakers. Like, every team that well, left LA, they, every single guy, every guy that they drafted, dude, they, every they, guy they that guys. they, every single player that they've drafted since their like last ring, basically got better when he, they left. Look at Lonzo. I mean, Lon- okay, my opinion on Lonzo, notwithstanding. Like objectively speaking, look at Lonzo. Look at D'Lo. Look at Julius Randle when he went to New Orleans. Look at Brandon Don't
3: talk Ingram. About Julius Randall,
0: Look at Brandon Ingram. I mean, I, I could do this for days. Like the probably like the best player that the Lakers have developed on their own is Alex Caruso, who came from the G League, and his philosophy is. Yeah, the Lakers don't need me to be the best player. They need like a janitor. I'm gonna be their janitor. That's from his words. Like, like so. That, so you so, are
2: you are conflating uh, scouting
0: and. No, developing. I'm saying I'm saying that it's you know you can it's one thing to like build through the draft or whatever, but you know you have to still develop your talent. You have to exactly. still put the pieces right. together. You can have a lot of talent, and the you know pieces don't quite fit. We saw that happen with the. Oklahoma City Thunder, the young Oklahoma City Thunder had a lot of talent, but they couldn't quite put the pieces together. I don't think it was anybody's fault other than the fact that just the timing was wrong. You know, I, I just think they're like, yeah, there's clearly an ideal model, but I just look at the history of the Hornets and it's just so sad. And the fact is, they actually can like, the fact that they could sign anybody who like actually wants to be there is, is a good sign to me. And I think if they make the playoffs, it's good. I think it's, yeah. it's just a good thing for them. And okay. certainly, I'm happy for Gordon Hayward. I hope that he can have some sort of free resurgence because like I'm not joking Gordon Hayward on the jazz is like one of my favorite players like I, I like, he like 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 he was actually one of my favorite players like 2011, 2012 like yes, he was like getting much better. he was one of my favorite players to watch. I'm never gonna root against Gordon Hayward and you know I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I hope it uh, I hope it works out. Thank you
1: for listening to the Game Bus podcast subscribe to us. On Apple, follow, follow us on Spotify, follow us on Twitter at GetBucketPod. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace.